Salutations, thriller and horror devotees. I am Melisette, your ardent hostess. On this podcast, I'll be reading stories, and each episode will be a chapter from a classic or a contemporary work. Sometimes I'll have special previews, science fiction, horror, thrillers. Uh, yeah, those are my specialties. When one book is complete, we will move on to another. It will be a pleasure if you accompany me through tales from the timeless past or maybe the dystopian future. Either way, let the ceremony commence. Maybe this time I'll be lucky. Maybe this time he'll stay. How y'all is? It's me, Malisette, hostess of A Frightful Fret. Did you forget? I think I started to forget. I had another guest host, and I hope that you all had the opportunity to listen to my good friend, Captain Windbreaker, with his amazing tales of the 80s. It was not a disappointing segment whatsoever. Actually, I'm super proud of all of our guest hosts because we have had some amazing, wonderful people float through here, and there's a strange rumor that the Shredder is coming back. I don't know that he's coming back here, But when Corona broke out, the Shredder just went completely quiet. There was no explanation. Nobody knew anything. So all we could do was speculate. And there's been lots of strange rumors. And there was a little blurb online that next week something could be happening with the Shredder. So we'll just have to keep our eyes open. It is really a pleasure to be back reading for all of you. I am fighting through a raging asthma attack, so we're going to get through this without coughing and without dying, but know that if we do die during this podcast, that we will be making podcast history together. Shout out to Hyphen Podcast Group, and if you know what you know, then you know that A Frightful Fret is a Hyphen Podcast joint. I hope that you are ready for chapter 14, which is coming your way after a word from our sponsor. My daddy's podcast is called Hyphenation. It's the world's greatest podcast. Barack Obama proved. On Hyphenation, my daddy talks about all kinds of cool things. And sometimes I'm on the podcast too. Sometimes he has his friend Marcus on. Sometimes he stays up really late and he's tired the next day. But it's worth it. But he loves his podcast, and I love his podcast. So I really want you to listen to Hyphenation. So Daddy doesn't get sad. He really doesn't get sad, though, because he has me. Oh, wait, please listen to Hyphenation. Thanks, y'all. I love the podcast, so please, please, please try to join but if you know it. Perfect. Thank you. Can we hear it now? Some time elapsed before I learned the history of my friends. It was one which could not fail to impress itself deeply on my mind, unfolding as it did a number of circumstances, each interesting and wonderful to one so utterly inexperienced as I. The name of the old man was De Lacy. He was descended from a good family in France, where he had lived for many years in affluence, respected by his superiors and beloved by his equals. His son was bred in the service of his country, and Agatha had ranked with the ladies of the highest distinction. 
A few months before my arrival, they had lived in a large and luxurious city called Paris, surrounded by friends and possessed of every enjoyment which virtue, refinement of intellect, or taste accompanied by a moderate fortune could afford. The father of Safi had been the cause of their ruin. He was a Turkish merchant and had inhabited Paris for many years when, for some reason which I could not learn, he became obnoxious to the government. He was seized and cast into prison the very day that Safi arrived from Constantinople to join him. He was tried and condemned to death. The injustice of the sentence was very flagrant. All Paris was indignant, and it was judged that his religion and wealth, rather than the crime alleged against him, had been the cause of his condemnation. Some time elapsed before I learned the history of my friends. It was one which could not fail to impress itself deeply on my mind, unfolding as it did, a number of circumstances each interesting and wonderful to one so utterly inexperienced as I. The name of the old man was de Lacy. He was descended from a good family in France, where he lived for many years in affluence, respected by his superiors and beloved by his equals. His son was bred in the service of his country, and Agatha had ranked with ladies of the highest distinction. A few months before my arrival, they had lived in a large and luxurious city called Paris, surrounded by friends and possessed of every enjoyment which virtue, refinement of intellect, or taste accompanied by the moderate fortune could afford. The father of Safi had been the cause of their ruin. He was a Turkish merchant, and had inhabited Paris for many years when, for some reason which I could not learn, he became obnoxious to the government. He was seized and cast into prison the very day that Safi arrived from Constantinople to join him. He was tried and condemned to death. The injustice of his sentence was very flagrant. All Paris was indignant, and it was judged that his religion and wealth rather than the crime alleged against him, had been the cause of his condemnation. Felix had accidentally been present at the trial. His horror and indignation were uncontrollable when he heard the decision of the court. He made, at that moment, a solemn vow to deliver him and then looked around for the means. After many fruitless attempts to gain admittance to the prison, he found a strongly gated window in an unguarded part of the building, which lighted the dungeon of the unfortunate. Mahometan, who, loaded with chains, waited in despair the execution of the barbarous sentence. Felix visited the grate at night and made known to the prisoner his intentions in his favor. The Turk, amazed and delighted, endeavored to kindle the zeal of his deliverer by promises of reward and wealth. Felix rejected his offers with contempt, yet when he saw the lovely Safi, who was allowed to visit her father and who, by her gestures, expressed her lively gratitude, the youth could not help owning to his own mind that the captive possessed a treasure which fully reward his toil and hazard. The Turk quickly perceived the impression that his daughter had made on the heart of Felix, and endeavored to secure him 
more entirely in his interests by the promise of her hand in marriage. So soon as he should be conveyed to a place of safety. Felix was too delicate to accept his offer, yet looked forward to the probability of the event as to the consummation of his happiness. During the ensuing days while the preparations were going forward for the escape of the merchant, the zeal of Felix was warned by several letters that he received from this lovely girl who found means to express her thoughts in the languages of her lover by the aid of an old man, a servant of her father who understood French. She thanked him in the most ardent terms of his intended services toward her parent, and at the same time, she greatly deplored her own fate. I have copies of these letters, for I found means, during my residence in the hovel, to procure the implements of writing, and the letters were often in the hands of Felix or Agatha. Before I depart, I will give them to you. They will prove the truth of my tale, but at present, as the sun is already far declined, I shall only have time to repeat the substance of them to you. Safi related that her mother was a Christian Arab, seized and made a slave by the Turks. Recommended by her beauty, she had won the heart of the father of Safi, who married her. The young girl spoke in high and enthusiastic terms of her mother, who, born in freedom, spurned the bondage to which she was now reduced. She instructed her daughters in the tenets of her religion and taught her to aspire to higher powers of intellect and an independence of spirit forbidden by the female followers of Muhammad. This lady died, but her lessons were indelibly impressed on the mind of Safi, who sickened at the prospect of again returning to Asia and being immured within the walls of a harem, allowed only to occupy herself with infantile amusements, ill-suited to the temper of her soul. Now accustomed to the grand ideas and a noble emulation of virtue, the prospect of marrying a Christian and remaining in a country where women were allowed to take rank in society was enchanting to her. The day for the execution of the Turk was fixed, but on the night previous to it, he quitted his prison, and before morning was distant many leagues from Paris. Felix had procured passports in the name of his father, sister, and himself. He had previously communicated his plan to the former, who aided the deceit by quitting his house, under the pretense of a journey in concealing himself with his daughter in an obscure part of Paris. Felix conducted the fugitives through France to Lyons and across Mont Cenis to Leghorn, where the merchant had decided to wait a favorable opportunity of passing into some part of the Turkish dominions. Safi resolved to remain with her father until the moment of his departure, before which time the Turk renewed his promise that she should be united to his deliverer, and Felix remained with them in expectation of that event, and in the meantime, he enjoyed the society of the Arabian who exhibited towards him the simplest and tenderest affection. They conversed with one another through the means of an interpreter, and sometimes with the interpretation of looks, and Safi sang to him the divine airs of her native country. 
The Turk allowed this intimacy to take place and encouraged the hopes of the youthful lovers, while in the heart he had formed far other plans. He loathed the idea that his daughter should be united to a Christian, but he feared the resentment of Felix if he should appear lukewarm, for he knew that he was still in the power of his deliverer if he should choose to betray him to the Italian state which they inhabited. He revolved a thousand plans by which he should be enabled to prolong the deceit until it might be no longer necessary and secretly to take his daughter with him when he departed. His plans were facilitated by the news which arrived from Paris. The government of Paris were greatly enraged at the escape of their victim and spared no pains to detect and punish his deliverer. The plot of Felix was quickly discovered and De Lacy and Agatha were thrown into prison. The news reached Felix and roused him from his dream of pleasure. His blind and aged father and his gentle sister lay in a noisome dungeon while he enjoyed the free air and the society of whom he loved. This idea was torture to him. He quickly arranged with the Turk that if the latter should find a favorable opportunity for escape before Felix could return to Italy, Safi should remain as a boarder at the convent at Leghorn, and then, quitting the lovely Arabian, he hastened to Paris and delivered himself up to the vengeance of the law, hoping to free De Lacy and Agatha by this proceeding. He did not succeed. They remained confined for five months before the trial took place, the result of which deprived them of their fortune and condemned them to a perpetual exile from their native country. They found a miserable asylum in the cottage in Germany where I discovered them. Felix soon learned that the treacherous Turk, for whom he and his family endured such unheard of oppression, on discovering that his deliverer was thus reduced to poverty and ruin, became a traitor to good feeling and honor, and had quitted Italy with his daughter, insultingly sending Felix a pittance of money to aid him as, he said, in some plan future maintenance. Such were the events that preyed on the heart of Felix and rendered him, when I saw him, the most miserable of his family. He could have endured poverty, and while this distress had been the meed of his virtue, he gloried in it. But the ingratitude of the Turk and the loss of his beloved Safi were misfortunes more bitter and irreparable. The arrival of the Arabian now infused new life into his soul. When the news reached Leghorn that Felix was deprived of his wealth and rank, the merchant commanded his daughter to think no more of her lover, but to prepare to return to her native country. The generous nature of Safi was outraged by this command. She attempted to expostulate with her father, but he left her angrily, reiterating his tyrannical mandate. A few days after, the Turk entered his daughter's apartment and told her hastily that he had reason to believe that his residence at Leghorn had been divulged and that he should speedily be delivered up to the French government. He had consequently hired a vessel to convey him to Constantinople, for which city he should sail in a few hours. He intended to leave his daughter under the care of a confidential servant, to follow at her leisure with the greater part of his poverty, which, 
had not yet arrived at Leghorn. When alone, Safi resolved in her own mind the plan of conduct that would become her to pursue in this emergency. A residence in Turkey was abhorrent to her. Her religion and her feelings were alike averse to it. By some papers of her father which fell into the hands she heard of the exile of her lover and learnt the name of the spot where he then resided. She hesitated some time, but at length she formed her determination. Taking with her some jewels that belonged to her and a sum of money, she quitted Italy with an attendant, a native of Leghorn, but who understood the common language of Turkey and departed for Germany. She arrived safely at a town about 20 leagues from the cottage of De Lacy. When her attendant fell dangerously ill, Safi nursed her with the most devoted affection, but the poor girl died and the Arabian was left alone. Unacquainted with the language of the country and utterly ignorant of the customs of the world, she fell, however, into good hands. The Italian had mentioned the name of the spot which they were bound, and after her death, the woman of the house in which they had lived took care that Safi should arrive in safety at the cottage of her lover. I hope that you enjoyed this chapter and I was mostly recorded outdoors without my usual microphone and I am working on a new setup for that so that we can have better sound quality with a little less sibilance and maybe it's my fault there's so much sibilance. That's a fun word, isn't it? Sibilance. It's really hard to not want to make the S sound when you're saying it, but just give it a shot. I think you'll really dig that word too if you say it enough. I want to give a shout out to all my folks out there that also have chronic illnesses that definitely feel the one week lapse between the introduction and the actual completion of this episode and I also want to give a shout out to all my new listeners oh my goodness you guys blew me away and I just love all of you I love you I love you I love you oh my gosh I have got the coolest legion of fans I am speechless because I never thought that I would ever be in a position where people loved creepy old books as much as I do and if you have love for them definitely go over to any of the Meliset pages and give us a like and also I post different things for other creative folks that you can check out. I try to keep with the creepy theme but occasionally other literaries sneak their ways in and it's always somebody fun and interesting so keep an eye out for there and also don't forget to check out Hyphen Podcast Group and remember a Frightful Fret with Melisette is a hyphen podcast joint, and I bid you Alvita Zane wherever you are in this world, in this space, and this time. Have a wonderful rest of your day, night, or afternoon. Ciao for now.